deal with today is so controversial until this is really what divides the churches. Uh, what divides the churches is what we call misunderstanding. And the misunderstanding comes because of the lack of the word, the lack of the knowledge of the word. The thing that people are talking about today, I used to talk about. Uh, thing that people believe today, I used to believe. And I, when you get into the word of God, you begin to see that that's not true, but you have to be able to get enough word to be able to share with people why you believe the way you do. You know, like I said, we used to do uh, the communion table. We used to do that, but we found out that that's who Christ is. And when we found out that what Jesus gave them was what he was going to be doing, and he fulfilled that. He fulfilled uh, the communion table. I'm talking about eating the bread off the table and drinking the wine off the table. Uh, he fulfilled that. And when you say Jesus fulfilled something, it means he put an end to that. All right? So if he put an end to something, why we keep doing it? You know, because we don't know. Now, at this ministry, we know. Because it took us some time. It, it takes some time. You know, that's why I don't put uh, people down because it takes time uh, to learn the word. It takes people time. I know it took me time. You know, the thing that I, I was doing, I did them because I was taught that. That's what I was taught we supposed to do in the church. And uh, we supposed to keep those two ordinances in the church, uh, which was water baptism and uh, eating bread and wine on the communion table. Those are the two ordinances of the church. Now, in the Bible, it's nowhere in the Bible told you about keeping no ordinances uh, because the Bible told you that that's why Christ died and he took away all the ordinances. The only ordinances we have now is the teaching of the gospel of Christ. Uh, uh, that's the ordinances now. We don't have physical, natural ordinances, all right? But churches do that because it makes you seem like you got something to do in the church. But that is still religion and tradition of man. Now, there's another thing where I'm going to talk about today that I believe is the most, this separates most churches. As a matter of fact, uh, you got people would say to us, well, you all really are not a church anymore because y'all don't believe in this and y'all don't believe in that. You don't believe in that. Uh, let me share something to those people who watch this television broadcast. What makes us the church? What makes us the church is Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Now, that's what we all should agree on. Our salvation is based on 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. Christ died for our sins, and he was buried, and then God raised him from the dead. That is what makes us the church, okay? The church has nothing to do with who we are. The church has to do with doctrine, has to do with what you believe. Okay, this, body, this building here is not the church. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. And the way you get to be the body of Christ is because your faith is in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Okay, I want to make sure we understand it. Now, that's where we all supposed to be believing. Anything outside of that is another gospel. All right? Anything outside of that for you being saved is another gospel. All right? So what I want to get today is teach it on something that I believe that separates a lot of churches because of ignorance, all right? So we're going to go to that this morning, and I, wanna, I may have to take this Sunday and next Sunday to get this over to you because it's a lot of work, and I don't want to just run over it because God changed my message twice to get here. So uh, this is a time where you can take a lot of notes because I'm going to be, uh, I'm not going to run through this because I want to show you. Now, and I'm going, to talk, I'm going to talk about today, looking for Christ Jesus. Now, this is what the Apostle Paul, everything I'm talking about is what God gave us through the Apostle Paul. Say that with me, looking for Christ Jesus. Now, most of the churches, 95% of churches today are looking for Christ Jesus. Now, I can understand the Jews 
When I say the Jews, the Israeli, or the people in Israel, I can understand that because they still follow the old covenant. They did not accept the new covenant. So automatically they are following the old covenant. But here are people that are telling us that they are following. Not many people, let me say this here, not many people follow the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I am teaching you today on the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Now, why am I doing that? Because let me show it to you before I get into my teaching. Go to the book of Romans. Uh, we do have DVDs and we also have CDs uh, of our services. And, you know, you know, we got the stick and we got it all. Uh, but you need to make sure that you get the word. So if you can't keep up with me today because I'm going to be moving right along, then you can also go to the storehouse and get the word. Thank you very much. All right. Now, in Romans chapter 11, uh, in which I'm going to be teaching in this series, uh, this teaching I'm doing right now, I'm on tape number 42, 41. Let me put it like that. And the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I'm on tape number 41. You understand? So we've been doing this for a while. I'm teaching Paul's ministry <clears throat> because that's how we were saved under the Apostle Paul ministry. All right, not Matthew, not Mark, not Luke, not John, not James, not Peter, not all these other guys, but Paul, okay? Here in Romans chapter 11, verse 13, Paul says, I speak to you Gentiles in as much as I am the apostle of the Gentiles. Now, I know you got other folks out there saying they're apostles and all. I, I just, they do what they do, I do what I do. But my apostle is the apostle Paul. Now, I don't see anybody else in this Bible who qualified to be my apostle, all right? So I'm going to use the apostle Paul, all right? So here in Romans chapter 11, verse 13, Paul says, I speak to you Gentiles inasmuch as I am, I, I am the apostle of the Gentiles. I magnify my office, all right? Now, let's go to the teaching for the day. In the book of Hebrews, I'm dealing with, I'm going to go to Hebrews because Hebrews was written, guess what, to the Hebrews. So if you want to find out about looking for Jesus, you know how to study the Bible. The Apostle Paul did mention some things, and so we're going to cover a lot today. So you want to do a lot of writing today. Hebrews chapter 9, and we're going to get our subject. Hebrews chapter 9, and I'm going to be looking. I'm teaching out the King James Version, of course. Uh, that's the Bible we teach out of here. Uh, I will be... Uh, reading a couple of things out of the NLT, New Living Translation, for you to hear it another way, but I'm teaching out the King James Bible. I'm saying it also for my people back in, in the back. Oh, Hebrew chapter 9, and we're going to look at verse uh, 24, and we're going to read that at verse 28. Now, my subject, once again, is I'm giving you where I'm coming from, looking for Christ Jesus, all right? Remember, this is what this is what, if you go to Israel today, guess what they're doing? Looking for Christ Jesus. Why? Because they don't have the new covenant. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They don't have anybody who would teach them the truth because 90 plus percent of people in this country is also, guess what? Looking for Christ Jesus. When I say that, I can say it with tears in my eyes. Because if you're born again, guess what Christ said? In you. And yet people are still looking for Christ Jesus because they don't understand the word. Now this, is, this has been sown into the body of Christ so until it has really crippled the body of Christ. Because people won't believe you. If you don't believe in uh, Jesus Christ's second coming, they think you're a false prophet. If you don't believe in taking communion on Sunday morning, they think you're a false prophet. And both of those things has already been fulfilled by Christ. So we are, the new covenant, let me say this again, the gospel of Christ or the gospel of grace, what does it mean? It means that God already fulfilled his word. So the word grace means the revealed word or the fulfilled word. It's already finished. If you read the New Covenant, guess what? Everything is in the past tense. Have you ever noticed? 
All right. When we read, read, you what? You, everything you're reading is in the past tense because it's a new covenant. It's already been fulfilled. All right. Now, Hebrews chapter 9, let me go to work. Verse 24, Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. That's physical. Which are a figure of the truth, but into heaven itself. Now, to appear in the presence of God for us. So God just told you what, what Christ is. He's in heaven, but he's in heaven itself. Not yet that he should be, should offer himself often as the high priest entered to the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, once in the end of the world. Now we're going we're gonna to show you some scriptures on that. What it means by the end of the world or the end of the age. That's really what it means. Or the end of that dispensation. Half past tenth. He appeared to put away sin. So we know what Jesus did when he first came here. He came and he put away sin. And yet people are taking communion every Sunday morning. And guess what they are doing it for? To get rid of sin. People are still getting water baptized. Why do you think they're doing it? To get rid of sin. This man came and put away sin once. For all, forever. See, that's in Hebrews chapter 10. But here in, in verse number 26, it said, Then he must have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath passed and he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. So when Christ died the first time, the first time he came, he came on a mission to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And yet people don't believe he put away sin. All right. And verse 27. And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. He said it again. Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin under salvation. Otherwise, he will come and give them their salvation. Can't be us because we already got our salvation. All right. But we want to show you why there's so much an error. Now, that's what we're going to go. So it says, those that look for him. So that's why I'm going to teach on looking for Christ Jesus. Now, Paul is teaching to the Hebrews when he read this. All right. So let's go to work. The second thing I want to take you to, I'm going to give you some things that are really going to uh, help you out real quick this morning. Uh, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 26. See, the word of God will tell you who's right and who's wrong. See, I don't, I, I don't try to prove myself to be right. I let the word do it. I let the word do my talking. So in Acts 26, we're going to look at the first eight verses. Now, the apostle Paul is before King Agrippa, all right? And you're going to see him teach there. And I'm not going to, I'm going to show you, I'm going to read verse 1 through verse number 8, but I'm not going to read it all now. Paul went to verse 6. Let's go down to verse 6 on our teaching tape. Now, you can read that from 1 down, but I'm, I'm just telling you that's where it starts. Verse 6 says, and now he's talking to King Agrippa. I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto our fathers. Now, you got to understand something. God did not make promises to Gentiles. Everything we got, we got it in Christ. And all God promises, we told you last week in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20, verse 20 is yes and in him, amen, in Christ. So all of God's promises has been fulfilled. See, it's really, it's really ignorance for me today to say, I know God will do what he promised. Listen, God not promising you nothing today. Remember, grace, if you got the word grace, then you know that. Grace means God's word has already been fulfilled. 
And I gave you another teaching that I told you to never forget. And Jesus fulfilled what Jesus fulfilled, Christ became. See, if you ever get that revelation, Jesus came here as a man, God came here as a man and fulfilled all of the promises of the old covenant. And they already been confirmed, Romans 15 and 8. We go to that next to show you that. They already been confirmed. See, he's already been confirmed. That's why he shed his blood to give us a new covenant. So the old covenant is finished. Passed away. Fulfilled. All right. Now, in verse 6, Acts 26 and 6 says, And now I stand and I'm judged for the hope of the promise made of God unto the fathers. And the only fathers are Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Those are the fathers. Nobody in the old covenant are the fathers but Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Okay? And then it said, Unto which promise? Our 12 tribes. Please hear me real good. You do not have 12 tribes of Israel today. The book of Revelation in chapter 7 took out 144,000 of the elect of the 12 tribes of Israel. You don't have 12 tribes of Israel anymore. And I'm going to show you all those people that did not go with Christ in Revelation chapter 12. If they didn't change, they were destroyed. And I'm going to go and show you that because Jesus taught that. All right. Unto which promise? Our 12 tribes. Don't forget that. Israel had 12 tribes or 12 nations. Unto which promise? Our 12 tribes instantly serving God day and night. 2,000 years ago, hope to come. They were serving God, but they were hoping Jesus would come. For which hope, say King Agrippa, I'm accused of the Jews. They were waiting for Jesus to return, 12 tribes, serving God day and night. Why should it be thought that it being incredible unto you, King Agrippa, that God shall raise the dead? Because when he came, they will be raised from the dead. See, I'm going to show you that. That's why people today are telling you today, when you have a funeral, the first thing they tell you is don't worry about it because when the Lord returns, the Lord is going to raise them from the dead. That's not true. If you're in Christ, you are already risen from the dead. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a new creation. We were, listen, risen with Christ. See, those kind of things you need to write down. The Jews were risen as a nation, but we were risen with Christ. So when you understand that, one seed went into the ground, Christ, and we were risen with him. The first fruit of them that slept. All right, but you got to understand the resurrection to understand that. All right, now, that's just one of the things I'm giving you. So you see 12 tribes were waiting for Jesus to return when you talk about they were waiting, when I'm talking about looking for Jesus Christ, so if you got that in your heart that you're still looking for Jesus Christ, maybe you don't have him in your heart, is my point. Let me show you, let me show you Romans chapter, I'm sorry, I gave you Romans 15 and 8 first, right? Let's go there. Most people, like I said before, most people go to church, it's not saved. And they don't know, they don't know why. They've been going to church so long, they've been religious so long, not even saved. Because they don't understand what it means to be saved. You cannot believe Jesus is coming and believe Christ is in you at the same time. See, you got to understand that you, you can't believe two things. There are people who believe they are, are saved, and then they say, but we still got to get water baptized. Listen, 
when it's grace, you cannot add any work to it. If you add any work to what the Lord has done, which is grace, it ceases to be grace. Let me say it again. If you say, I know it's okay to believe in the cross, but you still ought to get water baptized. You don't believe in salvation by grace. You know, I, I hear pastors, I see pastors that say, they churches say, well, yeah, they turn to grace. They preach grace. Yeah, they do, but they got, they got 20, 20 trays at the altar ready to receive communion. You don't believe it's grace. Do you know Christ is called the grace of God? You can't have 90% grace and 10% work. A little leaven will leaven the whole lump. You have to cast out all the old leaven so you can be a new lump. All right. Now, in Romans chapter number 15 and verse 8, Paul is speaking to the, to the Romans. He says, now I say that Jesus Christ was, everything is a past tense, Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision. Well, who was the circumcision? They were the Jews' believer. They were called the circumcision, and the Gentile were called the uncircumcision because they did not have a covenant of circumcision that Abraham had. See, being with, under Abraham, the Jews had a, what you call the covenant of circumcision. They got into the covenant of Abraham through circumcision. All right. So he said, now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision, minister of the Jews, for the truth of God to confirm, confirm the promises, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. So when Jesus came and died and bled and raised again from the dead, he confirmed the promises. You have to understand that I worked at General Motors, and you have to understand that Ford Chrysler, you can have a covenant but it has to be ratified. It has to be confirmed. It has to be voted on in, in that case, but somebody, people have to get together and agree and say, this is what we want. And they have to be signed and agree. Now they have that covenant for the next four years. But this is not for four years. All right. So now I say once again that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made unto the fathers. All right. Now I just read to you Acts 26 and also verse 6 to verse 9 that, that God had promised the fathers. Jesus came and ratified the covenant that made to the fathers. All right. Now, let's move on. I'm going to show you another one. I, I want to get to the, let's go to the book of Acts chapter 1, verse 9 through 11. See, first of all, the Lord never said to us, he's coming back again for us. But most people pick that up from religious churches. Acts chapter 1 and verse 9 through 11. And when he has spoken to these things, talking about Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead, come to your camera. And when he has spoken these things while they beheld, he was taken up. Several times he's going to use the word taken up. Now I'm going to show you this morning where is Jesus Christ right now. I'm talking about for uh, the person, Jesus Christ, that rose from the dead. And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men, which we know as angels, stood by them in white apparel, while, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you here gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, you got to get that. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Never told Gentile that. He told the men of Galilee that Jesus was taken up into heaven and you saw him. And you also go see him when he come back for you from heaven. All right. 
So we, we give you a lot of clues. When you read all of this, you're going to realize that he was not talking. Only the apostle Paul preached to the Gentiles. Jesus did not preach to Gentiles. He gave miracle, two miracles to two Gentiles. Peter, James, and John, and Jew, they preached to the Jews. Paul preached to the Gentiles. That's Galatians 2 and verse 7. I'm not going to have time to go to those. All right, now let's move on because I got a lot of word. I got to get you. Go to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. Each one of these, you're going to get a little more added to what's supposed to happen when Jesus returns. 1 John chapter 3. And when you hear those things, you'll realize it can't be talking to you. You got to know the word. You can't just think you know the word. You got to know the word. So when I say I've been ministering this word 38 years, I'm not just saying that. I've been in ministry 43 years. But I've been a pastor for 38 years. And a lot of things that I learned, and I came here to tell you, I learned from man. That's what the Holy Ghost showed me. He said, that is, that's not the word. You got that from man. So I had to drop all of that stuff that I thought I knew and let the Holy Ghost be my teacher. So every message that you get from me is from the Holy Spirit. You ought to be grateful. Now, hey, let me tell you, it, it, it sounds like it's real easy, but it's time, time, time with him. That's all I can say. Because you, you don't have no clock to say, I want to see you, Earl. It doesn't make any difference. He doesn't really care what time it is. But when you want to hear the voice of the Lord, you'll get up and, and run to his side. What, what is it, Lord? Because he got something. I'm, I, 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 I'm telling you, this is so good because the Holy Ghost never stopped talking. My wife think I talk. She always tells me, she said, man, you never stop talking. I tell my daughter, Sandra, girl, you never stop talking. But let me tell you something. The Holy Ghost, whew, and I love it. I love it. All right, because he's a teacher. First John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. Now, remember, he's talking to Jews believer. That we should be called the sons of God. See, nobody ever been called sons of God into the new covenant. There were no sons of God in the old covenant. The only man that would labor the son of God in the old covenant was Adam. So you go back to the genealogies, go back to Adam, and it said, Adam, the son of God. In the new covenant, the only person that was the son of God was Christ. This is my well-beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Well, that's what's Christ. But now we are now the sons of God. And so that's why you ought to be so grateful because being a son of God means you can call God your father now. He's not just your God, he's your father. All right. Behold what manner of love. You got to see the love. That's what the cross represents, God's love. He bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. That, this, is, this is John talking to the Jewish believer. He said, therefore the world knows us not because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now he's talking to the Jewish believer. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. See, this is a Jewish believer. But we know that when he shall appear, because that's what they were waiting on. Watch this. We shall be like him. We shall see him as he is. Now that was not talking to you. See, people are waiting now to see Jesus. You don't have to see Jesus to be like Jesus. I gave you the word last week. And I gave you how you are transformed. And I gave it to you last week, and I told you that sanctification, yeah, I want to hear that between, sanctification is for transformation. You cannot, you are transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, these people, when they saw Jesus, they would change. That's not, that didn't happen to you. You are transformed by sanctification. 
See, sanctification is for transformation. That's the purpose of sanctification. As you walk it out in the earth, living it in the earth. See, that's why you have Romans chapter 3, verse 30. There's by faith, the Jew, through faith, us, the Gentile. Everything we get, we got to get it through faith, through teaching of the word. All right. Now, in verse number 3, Verse 2 said, Beloved, now we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear. See, they was waiting for him to come back. When, they, when he came back, we shall be like him. See, they couldn't be like him until he returned. For we shall see him as he is. And then every man that had this hope in him purify himself even as he had pure. You didn't get that way. You were sanctified by the Holy Ghost. When God gave you the Holy Spirit in you, the Holy Ghost in you lives his life in you and out of you comes forth sanctification. That's why I gave you Philippians chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. It's God that worketh in you both the will and the do of his good pleasure. See, that's sanctification. All right, now let's go to Philippians Chapter 3 and verse 20 and 21. I, like I said, I'm just, I'm, I got to take it through a lot of word today. Philippians chapter 3. If you get too much word, stand up and burp, sit back down. Praise the Lord. You know, what I, you know how I feel now. I'm pregnant with about three series right now. This was not what I was going to minister when I came here to study yesterday. Philippians chapter number 3 and verse 20. For our conversation, the word conversation is, is, is our lifestyle, the way we live. For our conversation is in heaven. That's an awesome thing. From whence also we look for the Savior. See, they were waiting for Christ. They were looking for him. The Lord Jesus Christ. Let me read it again. Our conversation is in heaven from whence we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto our glorious body. Our vile body that it might be fashioned like our... Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. No, I want to make sure it's where it's supposed to be. Okay. Who shall change our vile body, that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body. So you got to hear what, he got, hear what he's saying. When Christ come, he going to change their bodies, and their body will be like his glorious body. When he, that's what they was waiting for. That's why people today always teach you that what Christ's going to do to you, he's going to raise you from the dead and give you a glorified body. You got to understand, I'm, giving, I'm teaching you four principles. Really, they're called doctrine, and that's called election, number one. Number two is called sanctification. No, justification. So you need to have these down in your notes. Number one is election. Number two is justification. Justification is finished. You already say God has justified you. But number three is sanctification. That is the process. Because the next thing happening to you is glorification. So you got, all, you got to see those things. That's what we teach here. And you got to understand when you, the glorification is, is the eternal life. That's why one time I gave you the steps of every life. Number one, I gave you Genesis. Genesis, God created man in the image after his own likeness and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. That's the first life. So you need to write that down. That is called the breath of life. Now that's the life that God has put into your lungs. That's why you can swim and, and you get drowned and somebody can push that out of you because of the breath of life, it will return. And then in Leviticus chapter 17, verse 10 and verse 11, told you not to eat the blood because the blood is the life. 
The life of the flesh is where? In the blood. So in your flesh, there's life. And it's called blood. It can keep you alive. See, and you're in religion. Religion won't let you take that. And that's life. And number three, the third life is, how many know the third life? It's spiritual life. That's the life you got to get through the word. So when you believe Christ's death, bed, and resurrection, God gives you what? Spiritual life. Now you got to get spiritual life before you can have the last life, which is called what? Eternal life. So you got to be able to see those four steps. If you don't have spiritual life, see, that's why if you go to a church and sit up on the church and they're not preaching you Christ's death, bed, and resurrection, you can't get spiritual life. You can only get spiritual life when I preach to you Christ's death, burial, and resurrection, and you put your faith in that. Most people's faith is in water baptism or communion table or some other stuff. You don't have spiritual life. Spiritual life is God's righteousness. And you got to have that first. Before you go back and look at Genesis, Adam qualified to eat of the tree of knowledge. I'm sorry, Adam qualified to eat of the tree of life, which was eternal life, because he was righteous. How many heard what I said? Adam qualified to eat of the tree. I'm talking before he sinned. Before he ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He could have eaten of the tree of life and lived forever. Isn't that what your Bible says? But he ate first of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And when, it, when that happened, he fell from grace. He fell from the spirit realm into the flesh realm. So Christ had to come back and give you spiritual life. John 10 and 10, I am come that you might have life. That's spiritual life and that you might have it more abundantly. See, you have to have spiritual life. Why? If you don't have spiritual life, you cannot get to eternal life. Everybody understand? All right. So this is not a game. Church membership don't give you spiritual life. You can be a member of whatever church you want to. All right? Don't give you spiritual life. You can't get spiritual life by you confessing with your mouth the Lord Jesus. And believe in your heart God has raised Jesus from the dead. You can't get spiritual life. It only brings you to a place that says thou shall be saved because it's not for you. In this teaching, if you stay with me, I'll show it to you between this week and next week. That was given to Israel. Chapter 9, Romans chapter 9. I'm going to teach you in this teaching, Romans chapter 9, Romans chapter 10, and Romans chapter 11. They all got to go together and they're not to you, but Gentiles, they are to the Jews about their salvation. So follow me alone. All right. Now let's move, let's move on. Now I gave you 1 John. I want to go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. We're going to go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. Then we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. So those are easy to keep up with. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 verse 9 and 10. Watch what happened. These people were waiting. If you remember, we were 2,000 years ago. These letters would be fresh. They were written to the, to the church of Thessalonians. They were written to the, to the Romans. They were written to all these different churches. And whatever church Paul wrote to, he also said that make sure the other churches get a chance to see your letter. First Thessalonians chapter 1. We're going to come back to your camera. Come to you next. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 9 and 10. For they themselves show us what manner of enter in we had unto you. And how you turn to God. He's talking to the Gentiles. How you turn to God from idols. Because that's what Gentiles worshiping idols. To serve the living and the true God. And second, and to wait for his son from heaven. So, so now, now they got them waiting for Christ to come back. Whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us, watch this, from the wrath to come. Now, if Christ already delivered them 
from the wrath to come. Did the wrath ever come? See, see, we live in a day, people telling you that wrath is still going to come. See, you don't know your Bible. God not prolonging no wrath 2,000 years. If he did that, he can't get the people he wanted. That's dumb. You don't promise them a whipping 2,000 years ago and wait till Earl come and give it to them. Come on, come on, just think. The wrath to come was, look at Matthew. We'll come back to the second Thessalonians in a moment. See, these are the kind of things when I say, listen, mark your Bible. This is what I want you to do. You don't have to know the word when I know it. Just know it when I'm not here or when you're not around me. That's when I, that's when I need you to get down. Matthew chapter 3. Now, here's, here's John the Baptist. Watch what he's going to say to these people. Now, when I get to a parable, I'm going to teach you a parable that Jesus taught in a few moments. And I'm going to show you that only it was called 10 virgins. And I'm going to show you why they were called 10 virgins. You'll see that later. And I'm gonna, this verse is going to show you. Now, here it is in verse 1. Let's go to that verse in, in, in verse 1. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 3 and verse 1. All right, it says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, watch this, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. And the same John had his raiment of camel, camel hair and a leather girdle about his loins. His meat was locusts and wild honey. Here's what I want to get to. Then he went, then went out to John the Baptist, Jerusalem and all Judea. Don't forget that. Those are the only two tribes that went out to be baptized of John. Israel had 12 tribes. So when I get to the ten virgins, you will know why he's talking to the ten virgins. Because they did not repent and was baptized by John. So watch what he's going to say to them in verse 6. And were baptized, and John was baptizing them in Jordan while they were confessing their sin. That's where confession of sin were under the law. Okay. People are still trying to use that under grace. There's no more sins under grace. It's the works of the flesh. You got to learn how to live sanctified. And you got to find somebody who can teach you the word. All right. Watch in verse 7. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, Oh, generation of vipers, vipers are serpents. He talking about children of the devil. Oh, generation of vipers. Children of the devil, who has warned you to flee from, watch this, the wrath to come. See, John knew the wrath of God was coming. That's why he was called Israel to repentance. Let me say it again. He called Israel to repentance so they can miss out on the wrath to come. The law was going to come and give, bring them their, his wrath. If they did not turn to the Lord, he will come with wrath. Now, they got that from Malachi. I'll go back there and show you that too. All right. And verse 7 says, But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said to them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth therefore fruits with an S on it. The word fruits with an S means works. The word fruit is in the new covenant, which is the spirit, fruit of the spirit. There's no fruits of the spirit. The word fruits mean work. All right. And were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sin. Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. Well, what fruits were they going to meet? Works, baptism. So when they baptized them, they were baptized unto repentance. That's what it called. When they got baptized, it was saying that they were repent of their sins. 
and God was forgiving them. See, but all those people who did not, you're going to find out when I do the parable, after I do 2 Thessalonians, we're going to go there. Go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, we're still looking at 9 and 10. We're going to start with verse 7. Let's do 7 and 10 together. 7 through 10. And the you who are troubled, because this is what they did. They troubled them because they didn't want the Gentiles saved. And you who are troubled, rest with us. Watch this. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven, watch this, with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance. That's why I said that. They knew, he would let them know, if you do not turn and repent when the Lord come, his mighty angels are going to take vengeance on all those people that don't know God. See, what is he doing? He's doing the same thing that Israel did when they came out of the wilderness. Let me say it again. He did the same thing that Israel did when they came out of the wilderness. Whoever was on the Lord's side, let them come to me. And all those people that were not on the Lord's side after they made that golden calf, you go stand that Israel had to take up swords and kill their own brothers. All those people would not come over on the Lord's side, Israel Matter of fact, really was the Levite, took swords up and killed them all. All right. When the Lord come in verse 8, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, which gospel Paul taught, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction, right? Watch this, from the presence of the Lord. See, that's what not being saved means. Me, you're going to spend your, your eternity from the presence of the Lord. You will never, ever hear the word the Lord no more. You'll never, ever get a chance to be in his presence again. You, you, you won't be in his presence. You won't be in his glory. And you won't ever know nothing about his power. No more. When he shall come, in verse 10, when he shall come to be glorified, in his saints. So that's why Israel was waiting for him. He was going to be glorified in them. And to be admired in all them that believe because our testimony among you was believing that day. See, that's already, they already did. That's what happened when Christ came to them. He was glorified in his saints. They were the one waiting for him. All right. Now, where I tell you we're going next. Let's go to Matthew. I didn't give you anywhere. Let's go do it. No, I'm not going to Matthew 3. We're going to go to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 24. And I want to look at verse 36 through 44. Then I'm going to look at 45 through 51. We're going to spend the next eight minutes in Matthew. He's going to give you a couple of parables. One going to be a parable of the faithful. We'll do that. Matthew 24, 44. 24, 44. See, I'm doing this because when you go back here, you know the Lord said the same thing. Matthew chapter 24. We're going to look at verse number 36. Start out. Now, this, this talked about the time of Christ's coming is unknown. Now, I want to say something to you so you can understand what the word of God means. When it says, no man know the day and hour, that's the first thing I'm going to say. Oh, we read on the screen. Okay. All right. In verse number, we're going to come to you in a minute. All right. Verse number 36. But of that day and hour, knoweth no man. Talking about when is he going to come. Know not the angels, angels of, of heaven, but of my father. He only one know. Now, remember, the Father is the Holy Ghost. And then it says, but as the days of Noah, he's going to give you an illustration. It's going to be as the days of Noah. Now, you got to understand the key word is before the flood. So why did Noah come? To build the ark so that people would not die in the flood. Let me say it again. Why did Noah come? To build the ark so the people would not die in the flood. See, the flood was going to kill everybody. But if they got in the ark, they wouldn't die. Is that right? 
So why did Jesus come before the flood? Now, we, the flood means persecution, tribulation. So you've got to understand what flood means. In Matthew chapter 7, I'm going to go there and show you in a moment. He gave you the two foundations in Matthew chapter 7. Both houses was built. One up on the sand, one up on the rock. That's why you got to know the word. So he's telling you that the one that was built up on the sand, he's going to lose everything. Because he didn't build his house upon Christ, on the rock, right? All right, just say amen if you can at least, at least do that. At least you ought to know. Hallelujah. All right, now here it is, verse number 37 says, but as the day, he's he giving you a hint, as the days of Noah were. So if these people had known anything about Noah, they could say, okay, we know about Noah. So shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, you got to understand, the next verse says, for as in the days of Noah, before the flood. Now he's telling you, his coming would be as in the days of Noah before the flood. So he also gives you time, isn't it? Listen, before the flood was time. He let you know he didn't come after the flood. See, there's a before the flood, there's an after the flood. So he let him know he's he not coming after the flood, he come before the flood. H hold your finger right there, let me show you what the flood is. Uh, go back to Matthew chapter 7. These things you have, should have known. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 24. Let's run through that quickly on the screen. Mark this in your Bible and make sure you get this done. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and doeth them, I would like to him of a wise man, wise man, we're going to show you that in a moment, who's built his house upon a rock. See, when a person built his life upon Christ as the foundation, He's a wise man. Watch what happened. And the rain descended. The flood came. See, all that's still going to happen. This is called persecution, tribulation, stuff like that. That's what that is. Stuff you go through. The rain descended, the flood came, and the winds blew, beat up on, the, on that house, and it fell not because it was founded on a rock. The foundation was Christ. Then it says in verse 26, everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened to a foolish man. So you got two men, you got a wise man and a foolish man who's built his house upon sand. Not, not building their house upon the word. They built his house on sand. I call sand is really what is preacher talk. I mean, you got a lot of them out there going to tell you I didn't hear the Lord saying it and you got no Bible, no scripture, no nothing. You're building your life up on the sand. That's what you're doing. On that man's word. All right. Up on the sand. And the rain descended. And the floods came. And the wind blew. Everything happened the same way with both houses. Rain came. Floods came. Wind blew. See? Beat up on that house. And what happened to that house? It fell. And great was the fall of it. And so that's what happened when people lies. That's why the greatest parable you can learn is Matthew chapter 13. The soul sows the word. Matthew chapter 13, Mark chapter number 4, Luke chapter 8. All of these is the soul sows the word. See, that's what you need to do. You need to spend some time in that word if you're going to get the word. If not, come in here with a mission that I got to sit with pastor for at least eight hours, four hours a day, and I'm going to get taught the word. And then you got the word also on your Facebook for the rest of the day, also probably tomorrow or the next day. Then you'll be able to get the word on the podcast. You got to keep, we got about three years of word on the podcast. You have no excuse not get the word. I keep saying the word prepare you for what's coming. And when you don't get the word, I can tell you, your, I can tell you how you act when your situation comes. Here it is, boo-hoo one, boo-hoo two, boo-hoo three, and boo-hoo four. They all live together. Four boo-hoos. All right. All right. Now, I gave you the Gospel of St. Matthews, and I started that out, and I gave you uh, Matthew 24, and I gave you down to verse 44. No, we didn't get to 44 yet. 
Let's go to verse 38. Let's start at verse 38 because I talk about the flood. For as in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating. See, he letting them know, same thing going to happen to this generation, but it's going to happen before the flood. It's going to happen before the persecution. So you got to understand, if you go to Paul's writing, you can understand in Paul's writing what Paul kept telling you that, was, that he was coming. Why? Because Jesus was born in B.C. 3. Jesus died in A.D. 30. And if you add 40 years to when Jesus died, you'll have A.D. 70. Now, you can go on your Google and see that the Jerusalem was destroyed in A.D. 70. It's not complicated. Not today. 2,000 years ago, you didn't know that. But Jerusalem was destroyed in 87. And they would even show you the people who destroyed Jerusalem and tore it down and trampled it on their feet. And yet people still don't get it. They still think it's going to happen. The seven churches in the book of Revelation, you can visit them. You can't go financially, go online, Google. And you'll be able to watch people who went there and showing it to you. All seven churches, you can see the ruins of the seven churches of Asia. And yet people still sit down and tell you, Jesus ain't coming. He hadn't come yet. And you believe that? Because you know why? You're ignorant of the truth. And that's why this ministry is open. This is why Paul ministry came. Paul said it so many times, be not ignorant. To be ignorant means information is available. You too busy to come get it. That's what caused ignorance. All right. But I'm going to be consistent and persistent because I just believe somewhere down the line you're going to get an appetite. And I'm going to be right here with this word. All right, let's look at this faithful and true. Matthew chapter, here we go, here we go. Watch what he says. In verse 39, in verse 38, I'm sorry. For as the day were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered to the ark. Well, what happened Noah entered to the ark? And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. So he told them already, if you can understand what happened in the days of Noah, once the people got in that ark, guess what happened? That flood came and took them all away. And guess what happened with the Apostle Paul? When, when, the, when the persecution came, when the Apostle Paul ministered, guess what he did? He tried to destroy the church of God by persecuting them. So you got to understand, that's what was going on. If you go back to Jesus' ministry, A.D. 30, it started the feast days. And you have to understand the last feast days was the coming of the Lord. If you understand Leviticus chapter 25, I'm sorry, 23 to 25. Jesus died, buried, and raised again from the dead with the first three feast days. How many know what the first feast day is? I told you Jesus died. So you need to write them down. Leviticus chapter 23. If you need to write them down, study them sometime. The first feast day is the Passover. The second feast day is unleavened bread. The third feast day is first fruit. That's why you gotta know these things. This is not a game. See, if you know that, you can follow the feast days and understand it can't be in your day. The last feast was the Feast of Tabernacle when the Lord returned. That's why they all had to be outside in booths waiting for the bride to come. So when I get back to the next service, I'll pick it up right there. Here come the bridegroom. Here come the bridegroom. And they did not have any oil. Hey, my time is up. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Come on, stand up on your feet. You get a chance there. We're going to close out right here. I got a lot of information. It's going to take two weeks to give it to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Paul is speaking to the church, telling them how they say. Moreover, brothers, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you which also you have received and where you stand, by which also you are saved. Watch this. If you keep in memory what I preached to you, what did you preach to them, Paul? Unless you have believed in vain.
It's something, man, when you've been believing the wrong gospel to be saved. You've been in the wrong church all your life. Die and go to hell. Why you were going to church? Paul said, I deliver you first of all that which I also receive. How that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scripture. Paul said, look, this is how you're saved. You got to have your faith in Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. Hey, my time is already gone. I thank you for yours. And the door of faith is open unto you. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.